Nice. Hi, Gemstones, and welcome to another episode of Blurb. Today we're talking about The Collection, the third episode in the second season of 30 Rock. And Jack, heretofore known as Codename Eagle Bear, is up for a GE promotion fresh off his homoerotic showdown with Devin Banks. And since this episode aired in 2008, when people actually face public accountability for their indiscretions, um, what a time, Eagle Bear is forced to make some challenging choices, sacrificing a beloved collection for employment advancement. Relatable content. And other plot points, Jenna and her fat are becoming enormous stars. <laughs> Tracy is forced to make a mature adult decision. And everyone has unresolved childhood trauma involving cookie jars. Julie, shall we go for it? What is this, Horseville? Because I am surrounded by naysayers. We are lovers. Oh, that word bums me out. Unless it's between the words meat and pizza. Live every week like a shock week. Oh, hey, can I talk to you? You always ruin everything. I have to apologize for him. It's been a bit tense since we found that I'm up for the GE chairmanship. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I got a call from some lawyer today who's asking me what kind of boss you are and how long I've known you and what animal best describes you. What did you say? An eagle with the head of a bear. Thank you. Your respect means the world to me, Lemon. I can't believe it's starting already. What is? GE is vetting me. They're trying to see if I have any skeletons in my closet. It's what they do with all the presidential candidates. Do you think they'll find anything? Oh, yeah. I've done some things, Lemon. That's why I hired a private investigator to look into my own background. He'll spot any red flags before GE does, and that way I should be able to stay ahead of this. Wait, you hired someone to investigate yourself? That's weird. Well, you do the same thing with your therapist every week, don't you? I had an amazing breakthrough with my therapist this week. I was ring, talking ring. about that dream that I have all the time where you find... Hello? I'm sorry, I have to take this. Yes. Well, she's Wait right here. Fake phone. She'll be right down. What else is going on? So what did you think of this episode overall? I thought it was hella fun. For whatever reason, when I was anticipating watching this, I remembered some parts being things that I did not like. The collection and then the episode thereafter. Um, the one with Carrie Fisher, which I know, Scandal. I just, like, I have no desire to rewatch. Um, but I very much enjoyed this immensely, perhaps because I had such low expectations. Unnecessarily, it turns out. Yeah, I enjoyed it. What about uh, you, boo? <laughs> Totes. Oh, my gosh. So many really funny lines. Things I didn't know. I am so enjoying our rewatching in that I really do have to pay attention. You know, lots of other times I'm watching TV, I'm playing on my phone while I'm eating, while I'm picking my nose, you know, busy. But this, you're like reading subtitles, doing research. Hilariously funny. Kenneth starring moments in this. Jenna, not that annoying. Tracy at his thinnest. Liz doing problematic things. Uh, whatever's wrong with Alec Baldwin and his wife now, he is amazing in this episode. His, what he can do behind his eyes in the moments when he's being smug or when he's being childlike, it is amazing. He he's is like so Paul Hollywood. Good. He's lupine. He's like a fucking wolf. And much like Trixie, I want him to take off his pants and show me what he's looking with. Right, I do not, but I That's find fair. him to be so talented in this episode. He's just so good. So good. So we open on this moonlit balcony moment of him and Jonathan. The homoeroticism about, continues oh from last God. episode, thank God, Fantastic. as well it should. Talking about that one day, uh, you know, this whole city is going to be yours. 
It's very Batman, uh, yes. but like the 90s Batman where getting they had hard, nipples though. in the armor. Yes, <laughs> getting them hard for sure. And then out of nowhere pops up everyone's favorite white girl. The Liz. cooler, Liz Lemon, here to ruin a moment. <laughs> and Jonathan turning into like a 16-year-old girl is the best. You always ruin everything. Which I appreciate as like um, a gay trope. Of just, like, instead of being, like, the sympathetic, supportive friend or the person dying of AIDS, which is, like, the <laughs> early days of gay representation, it's now just, like, oh, yeah, they're just, like, really petty children. And I appreciate that stereotype. I feel like it's underrepresented and accurate in my lifestyle choices. So then Jack sort of feeds into this by saying to Liz, like, he's been really tense since he found out about for the G um, chairmanship. Why is he tense? Because you guys are a couple? Like, what are you talking about? He's Well, yeah, because they, they're life partners. The relationship you have with your assistant is something that can be both fraught and fulfilling. Really? Tell us all about it. How's that well, I don't have you? an assistant, but I've <laughs> seen the assistant starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, and they have a lot of, like, really weird BDSM sex. So I assume that's what's happening here. Is that called the assistant with James Spader? Or maybe it's the secretary. I'm pretty sure. Is it the secretary? <laughs> You know. Stay home all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so Liz came up to talk about that very thing because she was in the vetting process. A lawyer asked her how she would describe Jack um, using an animal, and she picked an amalgam between an eagle and a bear, an eagle with the head of a bear, um, which how would it fly? I guess we don't care. Um, Julie, if you had to pick an animal for me, what animal would it be? Salamander. <laughs> Why? Because I grow back my tail? <laughs> you can never kill me. Komodo dragon. I don't know. It's some sort of reptile. Um, <laughs> that's just what psychically is going to be. Jesus Christ. All right. I'm not at all hurt. Um, hold on. I also accidentally listened to Chrisa Caputo on his podcast today, so I feel like I got to tap into my spirit guides. Hold on. <laughs> nope. Komodo dragon. That's, that's fair. I'll take it. I would ask um, you, but I don't want to know. Um, so what... <laughs> I'm going to tell you the answer anyway. So I view you as sort of like a capybara where they sort of rule the animal kingdom but are like chill as fuck and also super nonplussed by everything. What the animal are you talking about? (laughs) A capybara. It's like an aquatic rodent. And I was feeling bad about calling you a kimono dragon. No, look at them. They're, They're hella cute and chill. No, that is a fat, ugly beaver. That is terrible. <laughs> no. They chill with all the animals. All the animals, like, just find peace you in them. You are a lizard, and I feel good about it. No, a capybara <laughs> is a good option. There it is. Salamander. That's up. A- oh, but let me show you what I want to be. Oh, what's it called? Oh, no. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, oxytil or whatever. Yes. How do you spell that? <laughs> a... But not avocado. Yeah. There it is. Oxalate. 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 Oh, this is what I wanted. This is Emma. Oh, we're all reptiles. <laughs> Emma, look at you. Look how cute they are. Look I at want my one. Fun hair. <laughs> Emma, look at how cute they are. They are adorable. Why do they smile? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, so but they are amphibians. Yeah. If they get sick, you have to put them in the refrigerator because then they can rejuvenate themselves. Emma's a quokka. Because then they die. Emma's 100% a quokka. Hold on. Maybe I get to be this because they're very solitary. And you're okay. not. I'm pretty em- solitary. I am not talking, you're talking about, about Emma. You. Not everything's about me. Got it. Heard. What, what is Emma? Another animal I've never heard of? Oh. Yeah, quokka. Quokka. What? They have no natural predators. What did your family grow up with? Because I don't know any of these goddamn. 
Look oh how cute they are. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're the world's happiest animal because they have oh no natural predators. God. Okay. So I'm like, it's sweet, this. I'm going to be an axolotl. What do you want to be, Nick? I mean, I. it's fine. I'll be a fucking reptile. It's chill. Oh I'm God. a reptile as Is a this animal leader. real? It looks like That's an cute. amphibian. <laughs> Emma, look, this one looks just like you. Oh, right? oh my God. Um, speaking of skeletons in her closet, I'm soon to be dying in my closet because Julie will murder me and stow my body away there. Jack is trying to vet himself and hires a private investigator, Steve Buscemi. Shout out. Hold, please. You're yeah. skipping over the funniest part of this episode. No, no, I'm just saying that he's hiring a private investigator to vet himself. Um, so... He said he's going to vet himself. And, and she goes, you're getting someone to investigate you? That's weird. And he's like, uh, don't you do that every week with a therapist? And she's like, oh, my God, I had a breakthrough this week. I had to stream. And then he pretends the phone is ringing, and he sells it 100%. I want to use that move so much more often in my life than I currently do, which is zero. Let's do it right now. I'm, we're going to role play. I'll be Liz. You ready? Okay. No, I feel like I should be Liz, where I'm just like, hey, you look like a capybara, and you're like, hold me, hold please. <laughs> you can be Liz, do you. I had a breakthrough this week at my therapist. I was having a dream. Oh, ring, 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 ring. I'm sorry, I have to take this. <laughs> She's like, fake phone call. <laughs> it's like, the best part was, what else is going on? Right before the jump cut. No, he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm sorry. And he's like, no, no, she'll be, she's on her way down now. What else is going on? Yeah. But it's so sold. He plays it. She play, I mean, that's the two of them together is probably the best, except when Elaine stretches there. But oh my god, I rewound and watched that like 14 times. I'm sorry, I gotta take this. No, it's like definitely one of the top three lines of the episode, and we haven't even gotten through the episode. And there's so many other great lines, but the way He's, his eyes go dead as soon as she starts to tell that story <laughs> like that is amazing. She's like, Oh, I had a breakthrough, and you can see his soul leave his body. And he's like, I will not be listening to this story. So good. So we next cut to Tracy and his dressing with the woman who happens to be Angie, Sherry Shepard, again, solidifying that she is the one, the only, the true Angie that pretended to the throne in season one, long gone. And she has allowed Tracy to come back into her life on the condition that, well, two conditions, actually. First, the ghetto fabulous ring that belonged to Brooke Astor and that she is constantly with him. So here is the last known picture of Brooke Astor. Can you see this? Are we sharing? Oh my God. Wow. She died at 105 with $200 million in the bank. When she passed Jesus. away in 2007, her only son, Anthony, died at the age of 90. Wait, where's the good part? Oh yeah. And he proceeded to famously cut his sons out of the inheritance, leaving the Astor fortune to his second wife, AKA Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy. and his stepchildren. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, if you can't look up a picture of Brooke Astor, she looks like Shirley Temple Black, but the same size as she was as a child, but as a 105-year-old person. Anyway, I do not think in 2020 we would be saying, bling, bling, that's ghetto fabulous. We and should we have said it in 2008? No, of course not. <laughs> it's not ideal. It's certainly not ideal. Um, but Tracy has my ideal schedule, because all he's permitted to do is work, eat, Love on Angie and sleep. Sign me up. And then he's like, that's right, I'm whip. Andy got me up. Angie got me up at 7:30. You know they have food and TV and almost everything. They don't have joy in the morning. Anytime you have to wake up that early, there is just sadness and despair. You work that early almost every day of the week. Julie, I'm not happy. <laughs> 
Angie then asks Liz for help because this is too much. Tracy is a horny child and needs constant adult supervision. She's asked <laughs> if she'll help and also be able to keep herself from falling in love. Which she says, also, yes, I think this is going to be great, Angie. I think you and me are going to make a great team. And then she baits her with, are you looking for a sassy black friend? Liz rightfully is like, no, I don't mean to objectify you, ghetto fabulous, even though I just fucking did. And then she's like, well, you got one now, girlfriend. And then a really uncomfortable shoulder shake from Liz. And an excitement and a little roar with a hand claw from uh, Angie. Cat sound. <laughs> Cat sound. <laughs> like It's like very much gothy Kendall. Yes. <laughs> Picture dead face, hand claw. <laughs> so Jenna is still chubby and she's super excited for mail delivered by Kenneth. Anything from prisons. And he starts singing, Federal. Which is the dream. If you're not getting federal prisons, it's just like state penitentiaries. What's the point? Think how much time they have on their hands. And all they want to do is just love on you and dote on you so you'll send them stuff and pay attention to them. I bet those letters are great. You bet or you have experience? (laughs) Everyone's always like, how could they fall in love with a man in prison? I'm like, oh my God, it's so fucking easy. They have nothing to do (laughs) but pay attention to you. So Jenna's hella pumped, um, and I'm glad you actually find her tolerable in this episode because I, I think I she never is think stunning. I that, I? Well, you did, you did, you did. Roll back the tapes, um, and she's like putting on this weight, which is not that much weight if we're being honest. But it's the best thing that ever happened to her. It's the <laughs> Just, weirdest fat suit they've ever put anyone in. She's like, people like me for the first time, and I wrote, not me, of course. Her desperation and shiny Lisa <laughs> Vanderpump blouse is more than I can take. I'm glad people like her. And then Jack walks up and he's like, there she is. There's my star. And you think I wanted you to lose the weight. so happy. It is amazing that as soon as money's involved, all previous misgivings just fly out the fucking window. It's like, can I profit off of you? You look amazing, sweetie. You're doing great. You're looking amazing. I'm so proud of you and your enormous um, ad. I just saw it. (laughs) Which, why can't (laughs) um, obese women wear the same perfume as... Skinny woman? So the commercial is a straight-up Calvin Klein ad with a hairless young boy <laughs> caressing her. Enorme, make him chase the chunk. Love Wind that. blowing on her Grecian gown, the underage boy. Oh, there he is again. Only available at drugstores. Do not use while menstruating. Okay. So I'm it's sure like- you read this too on IMDb, but in the fake Enorme advertisement that Jenna stars in, the soundtrack... Which is also at the end is whispering Italian words for very fat woman, female pig, and whale. Ah! Jesus. Classy. Classy 30 Rock. That's so funny. Still absolutely funny. Um, Well, one day I think someone will turn to me and say, I like you. I just like you more when you're fat. So I'm really hoping for that moment like Jenna got from Jack. It is a shame that, I mean, it's perfectly understandable, but it is a shame that she didn't have any sort of actual companionship with people before this. She's just like, we have our own special thing. We clasp our palms together in the air. So now we're on set. Liz calls for makeup and an attractive black woman comes on stage to help out Tracy. And Angie is having none of it. Kicks her out of there. What would you do if, like, you were in a relationship and your spouse or partner was being super overprotective like this? Kill them? Is that what you said? Fair. (laughs) Yes. I would use my two giant front capybara teeth and just... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a capybara because I do have pretty prominent front teeth. I think I'm more the jealous type than to date somebody who is jealous. 
I can't even imagine dating someone at this point. <laughs> like this pandemic, like I don't even go on any dating apps anymore. They're just sad. So anyway, um, <laughs> Jack likes Jenna so much better now, which is great. Um, Angie's being hella protective still. She's like, oh, hell no to that situation. And then here we go. We meet Lenny Wozniak. Played by the aforementioned Steve Buscemi, who I love. He's all right. No, he's fine. I'm kidding. I just knew that would piss you off. <laughs> have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? One of the best I movies yeah, I've ever yeah. made. And then is it the wedding singer where he's like putting lipstick on? Like he just made a bunch of weird little cute choices of movies. You're like, what is he doing here? And on 9-11, he returned to um, his old ladder company to help. Oh. Yeah. Emma and I were both like, where is this going? Nine eleven references aren't usually light. No. So he goes to meet him in what looks like a abandoned parking lot under a bridge. And Jack pulls out a cigar and he's like, I can understand why you'd want to meet here. And Lenny's like, yeah, my, my gym's right over there. I do love that fucking play because why does everyone meet in these super nondescript locations? Like there has to be a middle ground between no fear of being recorded or heard and under a fucking bridge. <laughs> Not anymore, I don't think. So that was a fun lampoon. This is me lampooning. <laughs> Terrible. So Lenny asks Jack uh, what if there's anything that he should know about. And we run down the list. In the 1976 Democratic National Convention, but it's okay. He was arrested, but it's okay because he's beating up hippies. And then his family, any skeletons there. His buddy Eddie, who we just met, um, sells faulty sprinkler systems to elementary schools. Party. Why not? His cousin Tim fixes NBA games. Who doesn't? Who won it? Hold, please. So when the PI asks Jack if his family has any skeletons, among the items listed is his cousin Tim fixes NBA games. In August of 2007, real-life former NBA referee Tim Donaghy pleaded guilty to related to betting Mm. on and fixing NBA games, for which he received 15 months. Well done. Well done. So they pulled that from the headlines. It's like an SVU episode, you guys. (laughs) Ripped from the headlines. Of course. Tim Donaghy. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. Right? (laughs) My mother is an Olympic level racist. Great. Brutal. Not a great thing to be, but a great (laughs) (laughs) thing. But as far as the rest of them, they're too drunk to get to do much of anything. Unless getting thrown out of a Chili's is a crime. Am I right? So then he says, any weird stuff stuff I should know about? He's like, you know what? Don't tell me. I like to find that on my own. I'm a watcher. (laughs) Um, And then Jack doesn't disclose the secret that we'll find out later. He says, that's it. We soon find out that's a fucking lie. Spoiler alert. We're not leaving it. He gets rid of his cigar, and then we think that Lenny Wozniak might actually be a good private investigator because he goes and picks it up, and you think he's going to take some DNA or something, and he just smokes the cigar from the ground. It's disgusting. And if you sign up, they have a thing going on at the gym that if you sign a friend up, you get a free hat. So if you could just think about it. Can we talk about how (laughs) shitty gyms are for just a second? I belong to Name Redacted, and I have to go there in fucking person to cancel the gym membership. Oh, no, I'm right there with you. I owe them like $600. It is insane. I have not gone since, when was the pandemic? Eight years before that. You can send a certified letter. That's your other What the hell is that, Julie? It's a way to make sure they get money out of you for the rest of your life, because neither of us are going to do either of those things. (laughs) My gym is a block, like two blocks away from my work, and I still cannot. I cannot. I am right there. I'm telling you, they're going to take me to collections court. But just that, that weird line, and Steve Buscemi sells it. So good. So good. I don't know if the fact that he's thrifty makes him a bad 
special agent. What He's is he annoying though. He is the Dr. Spachemin of PIs, right? Like he doesn't seem great at his job. He's looking for a free hat, you know, just not great. Why I mean, does Jack have so many mediocre people around him? I mean, Steve Wozniak finds out some stuff. Steve Wozniak was the co-founder of Apple. Lenny Wozniak is the private investigator. Listen, Angie, I'm sorry I lied, but you gotta give me another chance. Excuse me. Did you just try to control my body with your white hand? Don't make me contact Reverend Sharpton. I can't deal with you. I want new writers for Tracy, or he doesn't do the show. Grizz.com, start coming up with ideas. We open on a lone soldier walking through the desert. The year 1861, the place, Mars. Jenna is freaking out because she's had to go back to the factory and made notches on her belt because she's losing weight. Tragic. She's going to have to stop doing the secret handshake where she and Jack do palm to palm. (laughs) (laughs) I do appreciate all the work that she's potentially losing out on. Uh, Most notably, the offer to play live action Miss Pac-Man. Aces. (laughs) (laughs) So then we're back to Tracy, who's actually over by the craft table reading the paper. And he said he's getting some ideas. Maybe for the show we could do a business section. And I think there's a future for that sketch. Um, Because it's like, what was it specifically? It was business. It was business section. You were right. I don't know why I doubted you. That was well done. I'm very proud um, and not at all surprised. But I feel like that that has some legs. So she loves that Tracy's trying to help. Everything's great. Um, but once he realizes that Angie is no longer on premise, decides that he must go to a strip club to get coked out Russian titties in his face. Sure. Liz tries to stop him, but you can't ask a bird not to fly or a fish not to swim or a tiger not to turn into a Chinese guy at midnight. So that was a Disney Channel original TV show. It was about dragons, though, but they would turn into dragons at midnight. So off he goes. Liz doesn't even... Liz seriously is like, don't don't go, Tracy. He's like, I gotta go. And she's like, oh, he just left. She did not do a good job. I mean, does she try? Yes. That's what I'm saying. No. No, no. In general in life, she tries, but she has so many things that none of it actually matters or works. So in the second best moment of Jack acting his ass off in this episode, he comes up to confront Jenna about her lack of an eating problem. I just love it. Me want food. Do you? Do you want food, Jenna? (laughs) Do you, Jenna? Do you? You're not breathing heavily. Your skin's cleared up. I even find you as slightly attractive right now. Don't say that, Jack. Perfection. No, honestly, I feel like Jenna and Jack are the stars of this episode, and here's why. The opening line with the telephone, amazing. The line here, do you want food? Perfectly executed. One of my favorite moments of the series thus far. I'm going to say So far, two points for Jack, zero for Jenna. Well, I'm getting there. Obviously, I had to ease my way in. I had to gain some favor with the cappy, (laughs) and now I'm going for the kill. So I'm a Komodo dragon. This is what we do. With the cappy? Yeah, Cappy, Cappy it's for Cappy Berry. Emma's for Cappy Berry. Um, so her line when she's just like, I'm back to the factory made notches. The way she said that absolutely slayed me. And then the don't say that, Jack. Come on. Thank Two God points. Kenneth arrives to act his ass off with Jack. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth here is going to be with you 24-7 to keep you fat. Keep Jenna fat. Keep Jenna funny. Right, Kenneth? It'll be just like back home on the pig farm. I'll fatten you up, grow to love you, and my uncles will slit your throat. And at which point, Alec Baldwin's face goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Jack meets up with Lenny Wozniak again. Says, you're pretty clear. 
Your sex life turns out to be real nice. <laughs> you need to give up your membership to the all-white Woodvale Col Country Club. He's like, what about Charlie Colorado? He's like, well, he's the king of Spain. Now, I looked up the Woodvale Country Club, and the only one I could find was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I don't think that that is what they're talking about. Yeah. So I'm annoyed about that because, you know, I like to know how far away they are from all these places. So, <laughs> so supposedly Woodvale is going to be the third iteration of the Taylor Swift trilogy of albums with a folk. Okay. All right. All right. Then it gets real uncomfortable. Okay. You also have an undocumented domestic employee. Manuelo? Mm. No, I need Manuelo. I could never pay an English speaking person that little. They'd starve. All right, I, I'll send him home. So bad. Yeah. I will say Face the line home. was well executed from just like a comedy standpoint. The content. <laughs> moment of silence for the moment that should not have aired. Yeah. So then he's about to get in his car. Everything's going to be all right. He's like, except maybe you have a massive number of cookie jars. And then we cut to... Victor Nightingale, the collector of the year. He's like, this is not good. CEOs do not have these. He's like, why? What do you think this is a gay thing? It's like, you you wish, wish it was a fucking gay thing. <laughs> and then, apropos of today, here's Rudy Giuliani with thousands of dolls in a picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> which I can now only picture him with, like, the stuff running down his face and him <laughs> farting and <laughs> terrible. So anyway, he's like, your choice is yours, Jack. You are head of the largest company in America or you get buried with a bunch of cookie jars. <laughs> Like, are they Egyptians? Why would he get buried with them? I wanted to get buried with my Beanie Baby collection when I was younger because I assumed I'd die young. Oh, yeah. What's the most embarrassing thing? So say we all die today and someone has to come clean out your apartment. Yeah. What is the cookie jar equivalent they're going to find at your place? Beanie Babies. 100% Beanie Babies. I think they're going to be like, did you open your mail for the last two years? And the answer is no, I, did. I didn't. Like, why do you have all these piles? And I'm going to say, Wally, I don't want to put them in the garbage. I feel so bad. All the things they tell us, they recycle and they don't. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> so there are just little piles of things I don't know what to do with. And then, I didn't know this, but you know what the number one thing in the landfill is? Hmm. Single-use t-shirts for like an event. I did oh, that no. damn Washington Park for five years. We gave out 2,000 t-shirts a year. Jesus. And the trash? Why would you not just like... Donate that. Because Good Duel doesn't want it. Eva! <laughs> so Liz tries to cover for Tracy when Angie starts questioning about where he is. She does a good job of like miming what she needs him to say. And then when it's over, he keeps going and the jig is up. Angie knows. You smell like enorme and brass polish. You were at a strip club. What's the brass Oh, the pole? Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. Then she says, I trusted you. You wear glasses. <laughs> Everything goes through me now. And then uh, Tracy, beautifully talking about secretary, says, goodbye. Thank you for being mine. Appreciate it, babe. So now Liz has to do everything through Angie, and she's giving her the... She's trying to give Tracy the pitch ideas for the week, but Angie is listening in. So she says, in the first sketch, Tracy's a bank robber. Brutal. And Angie says, no, we are not playing any black stereotypes. We're not doing that. Um, and then Liz Lemon tries to pivot by positioning a pimp as an entrepreneur. A gentleman named Slickback Lamar. <laughs> then he's like, oh, we're also, he's also going to play Obama. And she's like, we support a Kucinich in this house. You're just like, oh, you can't win for losing. Yeah. And then, best moment, Liz puts her hand on Angie's arm. Excuse me? Did you just try to control my body with your white hands? <laughs> yes, Angie. 
Her delivery of that line is all day amazing. That is up there with anything Jack does in this episode. No, I think that is the number one. Oh my God. It's the only thing I bolded on my notes. Excuse me. Did you just try to control my body with your white hands? Oh my God. No, no. Amazing. So she wants, she demands new writers or Tracy doesn't, show the sh- doesn't do the show. And then .com pitches the worst idea in the world, which turns out is an actual show. What is? Uh, story? Yeah. When Angie enlists Grizz and Dotcom's help for writing material for Tracy, Dotcom becomes describing the plot to Bar's Room, Barzoom series by Edgar Rice Burroughs, a science fiction series about a Civil War soldier transported to Mars. <laughs> so it's a terrible idea and it's real. <laughs> That's Gross. why I'm glad they highlighted that. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate this element of Dotcom, though. Where he's just this, like, sensitive, artistic, muse dude who cares very deeply and has ideas, but his ideas are trash. Obviously not bad. They're Edgar Allan Burroughs' ideas. Fuck Edgar Allan Burroughs. Whoa. Whoa. I do not like him. On OnlyFans with milk. So (laughs) now we get to a very uncomfortable scene with Kenneth feeding Jenna like a baby. Some food that literally killed Kenneth's dad. And had a heart attack, which is why his mom's friend Ron moved in. I love when he says my mom's friend Ron. <laughs> Jenna doesn't it want is- it. But the plane is coming and it hits turbulence and an Indian man gets up to go to the bathroom and an air marshal shoots him. You're like, what is happening? Yikes. <laughs> like this episode has been hella brutal on the racial points. Like, I know, like back in 2008 when I watched this, I was like, oh, they're lampooning um, these racial issues through, a, like bringing them up somehow. I don't know. It Bringing felt- them into our, we're talking about them. They're in the zeitgeist in the moment, yeah. but with some humor. I mean, I don't know. I'm not defending this shit. That's terrible. There was no reason for that. No, no. But I remember in the moment being like, oh, I guess this is, this is fine. And now it's just like, oh no. So they're just like white people making these issues comfortable for white- other white people. Yeah. And it's about to get worse. So Lenny wants <laughs> to incinerate the cookie jars and Jack can't take it. Now, Pete is giving Liz some advice on how to deal with a scary black woman, which is to compliment her nails. Always works for him at the bank. Um, Liz is asking Kenneth if he can walk and talk, which is now flummoxed him, and he's not sure if he can. So he has to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I do appreciate them um, satirizing the Sorkin situation here because it is confusing. Now Tina Fey explains all about women with low self-esteem and that they either go for sex or for food. Which you go for? uh, Obviously food. That's fair. What about well, you? Okay. Um, Who says I have low self-esteem? I feel great about myself. I'm a capybara. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I turned it. I turned. <laughs> That's the noise I imagine that animal makes. <laughs> so she decides to give. Um, oh, then she flashes back to her meeting Jackie Mason, and she's like, has terrible hair, and she's like, I'm so excited to meet you. He says, Who picked out your outfit, Stevie Wonder? She goes to make a move, and he's like, Get out of here. If you don't know who Jackie Mason is, he's an insult comic of the Jewish Who would variety. be your Jackie Mason? Who would be my Jackie Mason? Yeah. I met Ewan McGregor and I lost my marbles. Yeah. Christian Bale before he fixed his teeth. I don't know. I lost my shit when I, the Bengals were like at the mall and I didn't even watch football. Like I am a star fucker. If you are a celebrity, I'd get like humana humana around you. Even if I don't respect or like you. What about you guys? <laughs> Kate Winslet, probably. Uh, Emma? I feel like I've always had a thing for Adam Brody. Oh, oh yeah. Christian Bale's a good one, too. 
Christian Bale and Newsies and Little Women. <laughs> Telling you, pre-teeth, pre-American psycho. Yeah. Anyone who could be described as a rogue is pretty <laughs> irresistible. So Jonathan comes in and says, uh, someone's called about buying your collection of cookie jars. And he says, it's a Mr. Gary Hindgardner. He's like, no, Jonathan, he lives in Albany. The temperature fluctuates alone. These things expand and contract. They're alive, Jonathan. Which, like, they're in Manhattan. How different is the weather? That's not where he stores his cookie jars. Oh, uh, where does he store his cookie jars? I, in, not, I in, not in Manhattan. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. That was entirely my fault. Mr. Nightingale um, knows what he's doing. No, and then we learn a little bit more about the backstory for the cookie jars and why Jack <laughs> collects them. Um, <laughs> Liz posits that it's an unresolved childhood thing, which, despite his uh, rejection, it absolutely is. Um, he never had cookie jars in his home because our mother never baked us any cookies because she felt we never deserved any cookies. So, obviously, it has nothing to do with my childhood. <laughs> Honestly, the layers you peel back of this man just reveal a hotter, sexier, more emotionally available beast and then Liz says but that cookie jar says mom on it. he's like um, I, I don't think so I've, I, I've always viewed it as an upside down wow wow <laughs> wow but it doesn't matter now because I have to get, um, get rid of them all and Jack looks like a sad little fella I'm telling you the face acting in this is amazing so then we get part two of the fingernail saga um, when Angie is out of control, controlling everything on the set. The only thing they have is that trash Mars attack civil war situation. Um, and Jack says, did you compliment her nails? Because, duh, she's not a person. She's just, you know, a conduit for nails. Uh, but Liz is starting to think like a businessman, because businesswoman is not a thing that exists. And says, Just like we're know, not we allowed to say Puerto Rican. <laughs> Are we allowed to say? But she's going to give her a consultant credit, which, like, that is the type of meaningless shit that I care absolutely zero about. Like, I'm going through this a bit at work right now where it's just, like, title, and that matters to some people, and it's just, like, I could not give two shits about the title. But at the same time, I give all the shits about the title. So. Well, at, at my old job, um, I was I was wanted a title bump up. And yeah. they're like, well, we, well first of all, I, I was a manager, and I wanted to be the director. So I went into my boss and said, hey, can I be the director? I'm tired of being at meetings, being a manager. No one else is in my department. And she said, oh, you're not, you're not the director already? I was like, no. She's like, we can't afford to pay anymore. I'm like, I, I don't care. She's like, well, I, we'll make an official announcement tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> this is like very Mindy Kaling, which is like, you know, I have to manage a lot of difficult employees. You manage yourself. Well, I'm not easy. It's a true story. So we got further insight into Jack and how he views the world. In a later episode, he views everyone through the lens of dollar signs, hella capitalism, duh. Uh, but he also views upon first meeting someone how to best fight them. So he says, I think you're going to have to fight her. <laughs> Lemon, you're going to get hit in the face and it's going to hurt like hell. Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> I think Angie's right-handed, so you have to work her clockwise. You got that bum knee still, right? You're like, what? How would you fight me? I just go for either the eyes or the throat or the nuts. That's what they tell you. You just do the jab jab. All right. I'm fast, though. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you have the reactions of a very slothy bear. <laughs> Is that my new animal? <laughs> a sloth? <laughs> Only the one from that movie that I can't think of the name of. Hit me. Zootopia. Thank you. You're welcome. That scene with the sloth, I was on a plane and I was 
howling. Howling. I watched it again and again. I love that movie, by the way. Allegory, fantastic. Aesop's Fables for the 20s, 2000s. Love it. So he's trying to, uh, uh, Jack's trying to fight Liz and he's like, you're going to have to lean in. And he really is like leaning into her and she's like, I, I don't want to. Stop it. Would you like um, to play the part of Kenneth or Jenna? Who do you want to be? I want you to be Kenneth. Okay. That's ultimately how this goes. All right, party. All right, let's go in. So he's got a list curated and written by Liz Lemon herself, which came quite easily to her. Hello, Jenna. Still failing at overeating, just like you fail at everything in your life. What? what? You quitter. You're going to quit this like you quit fashion school? Give up like you gave up on your relationship with David Blaine? He's the one who drove the wedge with his magic. Magical line, by the way. Three for three, Jenna. Way to go, babe. <laughs> also, you've got so many daddy issues. The only thing keeping you from becoming a stripper er, is your weird mole. <laughs> Kenneth, that's very hurtful. You lied about your brother drowning so people would come to your one-woman show. Kenneth, I've never heard you talk this way. Your toes look like dried up drips. Oh, <laughs> oh daddy. She's licking him on the mouth and he is freaking out. Go on, keep talking. What else don't you like about me? I do like how Kenneth is like, so we have to get married now. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kenneth. Fantastic scene, even with Jenna. The way she delivers the line about oh. the magic is really funny. Right? And then when he's reading the paper and he's like, the only reason you didn't become a stripper. <laughs> so good. So then we have our final confrontation with Angie and Tina Fey. I don't know why she hers. It's a real name. It just feels like this is Tina Fey playing herself. Um, Liz Lemon and Angie get into their squabble. So she comes in and she's prepared to fight. Um, she immediately does the opposite of what everyone has instructed her to do. Um, super discriminatorily, which is she insults her nails almost immediately, um, <laughs> which was a brutal moment. Well, first she offers her that bullshit Oh, that's right. Credit. That's right. She tries. You're right. You're right. You're right. And she's like, I don't want that crap title. You think you're going to buy me off so I'll play nice? It's never going to happen. She's like, fine. I'm ordering you to leave. Um, <laughs> also, your nails look tacky. <laughs> I know. That's, and you can see she's bracing because she knows she's going to get hit. <laughs> Jack told her. And then Tracy's freaking out for her. He's like, no, Liz Lemon, don't do it. She's like, are you stepping to me? So what and if then, I yeah. So we learn all the types of crazy that everyone is. So far, no one wants to eat. I don't get it. Um, everyone's, everyone's fucking, um, with Mason, Liz Lemon goes in for the kiss with Jenna. She goes in with the kiss, maybe more if they have to get married. Suddenly Angie's just like, baby, you're insulting me. Let's go for this. Um, and they start banging. Liz Lemon is confused by how that happens and why they start with that. What do you think they uh, start with? I, I had that same question and then I thought, I don't want to know. Yeah, the comedy, I think, is in the mystery. Sure. <laughs> good answer, Emma. Good answer. There we go. All right. So we go back to the office. Jack is talking to Kenneth, who apologizes for not being able to fatten up Jenna, <laughs> which just like, can we talk about this plot point for a second? Just tricky. Just be tricky. Because force feeding never works. When they had to force feed me, because I was so thin. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> It's almost been half an hour since we discussed your thinny, skinny Um So Kenneth becomes the heir apparent to the cookie jars um, because he notices the mom one and says, I like the upside down wow on it. I don't know why he became British in that moment, but he did. <laughs> um, 
And then Kenneth also has unresolved childhood trauma surrounding the cookie jars. And it's like, you know, I guess I've never thought about cookie jars that much. But a nice one back in Georgia. Had a bear on it. Remember when my mom's friend Ron would come over, go into the bedroom, sort out their paperwork. And I'd just go ahead and stare at that cookie jar. It was almost as if I took every problem that I ever had and I put it inside that cookie jar. And I sealed it up so tight that nothing would ever, ever, never get out. So I guess to answer your question, I'll give cookie jars a B. Thank you. Where's my Quibi show? <laughs> I would definitely trust Kenneth with my cookie jars. Oh, yeah. Uh, him and the squatters who live in his apartment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Take me to the candy shop. <laughs> I got the magic stick. Um, so then he, he leaves Kenneth with three things. The cookie jars. The knowledge that if he ever goes to a convention in Sarasota to tell Patty and Beth, all of them, that Victor Nightingale says hello. And to never s- hold them by the lid, squarely at the base, which is how you need to hold me, too. Late at night, just swaddling me like a little baby. <laughs> then Jack stares at the GE screen and says, So fucking funny. Are you happy now, you son of a bitch? You son of a son bitch. Of a bitch. <laughs> All right, should we head to the chat for gemstones? Oh boy, I don't know. Julie, we're a, we're a blur, we're a Thirty Rock podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right. <laughs> wow, Emma, Emma, Jesus. <laughs> so Emma went in with an eighty-three. Julie and I were about the same, eighty-seven, eighty-nine, respectively. Um, Got to be in the nineties to have moments that I want to watch again and again and again. This one had moments for me, for sure. The entire episode, though. I just hate... Um, I just really hate childhood trauma. I know that makes me, like, very outside the box, super unique. I just don't like when people suffer. No, I just... It has several moments that I would absolutely rewatch. I think the delivery of Jack in particular was just stunningly good this episode. Jenna, as well. I know that's controversial with you, yet brave. But she killed me. This was her episode for me, second to Jack. Kenneth was there at third, but all of them was, like photo finish. Uh, but we all agreed that Angie had the best line, so she's got to be up there. Oh, that's fucking... Well, I was... Of the main cast. Of supporting cast, Angie is just, like, supreme. Well, everyone, let us know what you thought of this episode of The Collection. Did you agree with our ratings? You're you gonna give out your home phone number? How are they gonna let us know? <laughs> <laughs> We've already Speaking into the void, I'll find out. <laughs> you may also text Nick and not be receive a sponsor. 513-555-1212. I would love to hear from you. Uh... We are next in with, uh, what is it, Rosemary's Baby? Yes, the late, great Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. We'll be talking about that and more (laughs) on the next episode of Blark. Thanks for joining us. Blurg is a project of Team Takes, a.k.a. Nick Cotter, Julie Sunderland, and Emma Cotter. With the invaluable sound editing help from Phil Cotter and... Frank! (laughs) The awesome toenails on the wood floor from Frank! (laughs) We love you, Frank.